Welcome to Grace Church's podcast. The message you are about to hear was recorded live during our Sunday service. Sermon notes can be found on our app for both Apple and Android phones. Search Grace 417 in your app store and follow along. And now, for our message. Amen. This morning we're going to be, you guessed it, Galatians chapter 4. So if you want to turn to Galatians chapter 4, we're going to be in the fourth chapter again. Our, our goal in this season of Advent is to slow down. Christmas by candlelight is a reminder that we don't have to rush through this Christmas time at you know full you know full out as hard and as fast as we can go. Now, if you're anything like me, uh, you've probably made commitments in the past to, to really try not to rush or put too many things on the calendar during Christmas, only to find yourself just overwhelmed, and then all of a sudden it's here. And so we are intending at Grace this season to slow down. We want to move at the speed of a lit candle, which is not really very fast, right? We want to walk through this season. And so I have a question. I don't want you to answer out loud, but I just want you to answer in in your brain, okay? That way nobody will be embarrassed. But how was your last seven days? Have Have you been able to slow down at all? I hope that you have. I hope you've experienced the peace of Jesus. I hope you've experienced the hope that comes from his coming. But if you haven't, there is grace here. Amen? So can we just take a few moments and just start again, kind of reset, recenter on the Lord? Matter of fact, would you close your eyes? I want us to just literally just take 15, 20 seconds here and be still. I want you to breathe deeply, exhale. Just let the peace of Christ capture your heart, and then we're going to pray together. Father, thank you for your presence here. Thank you, Lord, that you are not inviting us to run ahead, but to walk with you through this season. And so, Lord, as we open your word this morning, as we think about this next Advent candle, the candle that represents joy, Father, I pray in Jesus' name that we would be a people who are hopeful and filled with your peace and our joy filled as we move into these days leading up to the celebration of your birth. Lord, may we not be distracted. May we not be stressed. May we not be be overwhelmed with all of that's happening around us, both in the Christmas season and the traditions and holiday celebrations, but also, Lord, in the very dark world in which we live. Instead, may we continue to draw close to you as if leaning into a candle to be close, to be quiet, and to listen to your voice. Holy Spirit, speak to us and teach us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Let's read Galatians 4, 4 to 7 again out loud. Would you read it with me? Here we go. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God made you his heir. Good job. You're going to know this verse, these verses so well by the end of this series. First two candles were hope and peace. 
So we draw near, looking at these verses. When the right time came, Jesus comes and does everything that we couldn't do. He lives a perfect life, and he perfectly fulfills the law of God. And that gives us hope. In the midst of very dark times, his and ours, we have the hope of Jesus. And then he also comes and he brings us peace. And that peace I shared about last week is, is secured because he buys us freedom. He comes as a baby, but he comes as a baby to grow up to be a man, to offer the perfect sacrifice that would bring us into relationship with God the Father, adopt us into God's own family. Peace is an internal sense that all is well, even when external circumstances make us feel that it is not. I just speak the peace of Christ over us as a church family. In Jesus, all is well, no matter what happens. Would you turn to the person next to you and say, no matter what happens? No matter what happens. And these two, including joy that we're going to talk about this week, these three, I should say, these are the birthrights or the inheritances of God's people. When someone comes to Jesus, when someone expresses faith in the Lord, in his saviorship and in his lordship, when someone surrenders their all to the Lord, it isn't a matter of of not being able anymore to secure things like hope or peace or joy. We have these in abundance. They are for us. And I don't want to get weird and I don't want to be pushy, but I just want you to understand that we we do not have to live our lives in a hopeless state. We do not have to live our lives without peace. We do not even have to live our lives without joy. These are what God wants to give us. Amen? Amen. So the third candle is the candle of joy. Good job. Joy is pretty easy to define. It means several things, but they all kind of kind of center in this idea of gladness of heart. It's a gladness of heart. And I would say, if you want to write the definition down, joy is a gladness of heart that is inclined toward celebration. Um, and I, if, if I can just be a, a picky pastor for a moment, you know that thing that happens in churches where people talk about, um, I, have, I grew up with this, and it always kind of seemed weird to me, but people say things like, well, joy is not the same thing as happiness. You know, happiness is what? Temporary, but joy is eternal. Here's the problem I have with that. When I am joyful, it seems a lot like happiness really a good time. And the words actually, the New Testament words for joy actually include the idea of happiness. So let's, let's not get too spiritual with one another and just say that you can be joyful and happy. And it's kind of all the same thing. Obviously, if you're, if you're in a terrible place of grief, you can have the joy of the Lord inside that strengthens you, even though you're not feeling very happy. But for the most part, when we're up and gladness of hearts taking place, it looks a lot like just being happy. So it's okay to be, to say to one another, be happy. Like I've been corrected before. Like I'm just so happy in Jesus and had some really extra spiritual person say, I think you mean joy, don't you? <laughs> no, I actually mean happiness. I'm really just happy. I'm just happy in Jesus, okay? So let's give each other grace in that way. Now, as we've been doing this each week, each of the verses of, the, of Galatians 4, 4 to 7 connects to one of, the, one of the candles or one of the attributes. So verse 4 was hope. Verse 5 was peace. Verse 6 is joy. Look with me at verse 6. Paul says, and because we are his children... God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Because we are his children is is kind of referring back to verse 5, where it talks about Jesus purchasing us freedom and adopting us into the family. So now Paul's saying, and because of this, because this thing has happened, and we're in the family of God, 
the father has then decided, he has, it prompts him when we come into his family to send the spirit of Jesus to come and take up residence inside of us, to live inside of our hearts. Adoption in the Lord's family changes our name. We move from being slaves to being either sons or daughters. That happens at the point of adoption. But the other thing that happens when we're adopted is that the Spirit of God himself comes to actually take up residence inside of our lives. We have a a change in our internal spiritual makeup. We literally go from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive. So everybody on the whole planet right now, everybody that you know, everybody that's ever lived, everybody that will live in the future, all are born spiritually dead. They are physically alive. They're emotionally alive. They're I mean, they're, they're alive in every other way, right? You can't tell by looking at them who's spiritually alive and spiritually dead. But because they have not yet come to Christ, they are spiritually dead. And what happens when Jesus buys that freedom, when he purchases the freedom that it says in verse 5, when he purchases that and he adopts us into his family, at that moment, he sends his spirit to live inside of us. And that is, according to the New Testament, that is the same spirit that resurrected Jesus from the dead. And we are resurrected into life at the moment of salvation. The dead part of us, this thing, the spiritual part of us that was dead becomes alive in, this, in that very second. And all this happens instantaneously. We're adopted, he sends his spirit, and we are made alive all at one time. Now here's the point. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit in your life, in my life, causes us to be joyful. You should say amen there. Okay, good. And the reason I want you to say that is we so take that for granted. Now, just think about it for a second. The Spirit of God, co-equal with the Father and the Son, the Spirit of God is actually inhabiting our lives. The Spirit of Jesus is actually living inside of us, resurrecting our spirit. And I would just say this, that resurrection facilitates joy. The Spirit of Jesus that comes to live inside of you is not depressed. Amen? Like, he's not... He's, he's happy. Sorry to use the H word. He's happy. He's joyful. Like he's not, and I know, I'm not trying to suggest for one second that when bad things happen, we're supposed to pretend that something bad didn't happen. I don't think that's spiritual in the least to deny reality. But there is another reality that is constantly coexisting with what we experience around us. And that is the spirit of God is inside of me. And I can be pretty joyful about that. And I believe that it is God's will for his people to be happy, to be joyful. Now, I don't know if you've noticed this, but there are a few believers around who aren't very happy. They are um, actually kind of downers to be around. Not anybody in this room, of course, but raise your hand if you've ever met somebody that was a Christian, but you really couldn't tell. Yeah, because they're just just not exactly the most fun to be with. When the Spirit of God comes to live inside of us and that resurrection takes place and we come to life, there is a celebration that should be taking place in the life of the believer. We know from what Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 15 that there's a celebration taking place in heaven when someone comes to Jesus, right? Luke chapter 15, verse 7, Jesus says, I tell you, there's more joy in heaven over one person or one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who need no repentance, which is, by the way, a a statement of irony because the 99 righteous persons still need repentance, right? But the, the one in 99 idea is that when someone says yes to Jesus, when someone surrenders their life to Christ and they truly say, I want you, Jesus, forgive my sins, be my Lord, there is a party that goes off in heaven. It is full on celebration. 
It, and, and I would just argue that it, nothing that we do down here that's a celebration can compare to what's going on up there. I'll come back to that in a little bit. When someone trusts Christ, they're welcomed into God's family, welcomed into God's family, and the Spirit of God fills them, and joy erupts. God fills mouths with laughter when he fills hearts with his spirit. God fills mouths with laughter when he fills his, our hearts with his spirit. And it's our birthright. But that's only half of the verse. The, only, the first half is that he sends the spirit of his son into our hearts. The second part, let me read you the verse again. Pay attention to the second half. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Turn to the person next to you and say, Abba, Father. The, the, the Father sends the Spirit into us now that we've been adopted, now that we're living in his house, now that, now that we're safe and secure, we have the peace of Christ. We, he sends his Spirit inside of us, and he specifically enables us to relate to God the way that Jesus did. When Jesus was on earth, how did Jesus pray to the Father? He would call him by name. He would say, our Father. He would pray with that level of intimacy. Jesus communicates with God by calling him Dad. Does that make anybody else uncomfortable? And I tell you, several years ago, I was, I was in my office, at another office, not this office, and it happened to be up in an attic. And so it was only about six feet high in the center of the office. So I was great. I was doing jumping jacks. I was no problem. But I happened to be praying, and I was praying to the Lord, and I was, you ever pray and you just feel like, this ain't going anywhere. All I'm doing is just putting, like, here's the way I imagine it. I'm just pushing words out, and they're all staying down here. It doesn't feel like it's going up and, and touching his heart. So I was praying, and that was what it felt like. And I was praying, and because I was near this, off of the peak, I put my hand up, and I could touch the roof, and I was praying, and I just, Lord, I don't feel it. You're here. And the Holy Spirit said in my heart, Call him daddy. And I had a full-on five-minute argument about this with the Holy Spirit because it felt just so disrespectful. Like, it's not daddy. It's God Almighty. Call him daddy. Mm, that just didn't feel like it was okay to do that. And uh, obviously, the Holy Spirit eventually won, and I gave in, and I started to pray. And something even that day in my life and in my heart shifted when I started to relate to him as daddy. That's what this verse is saying. We are given the same kind of intimacy and closeness and oneness with the Father that Jesus experienced because of his presence, the Spirit's presence in our life. We can relate to God by saying, hey, daddy, I need your help. Daddy, I love just being with you. Daddy, I worship you. Daddy, I need you close. Can you please help me? It's, it's almost too good to be true that we get to do this. When you, when you think about it, the joy of the Lord is connected to that relationship, connected to that, that closeness and intimacy of being able to refer to God as Abba Father. Write this down. Joy comes from knowing the Almighty as our Daddy God. And I, if you're in a place, by the way, and you're just like, oh, I can't do that, tr trust me. You take it to the Lord and pray about it, okay? You take, it to, take this passage to the Lord and pray about it. I believe that the Lord wants us increasingly to relate to him in those intimate terms. He's not interested in a formalized relationship. That's why Jesus died, so that we could come as children without fear, without any sense of being held back, right into his very presence and say, Daddy, I need help. 
you ever met anybody famous? Raise your hand if you've ever met anybody famous. I mean, I don't mean me. I mean other famous people. Uh, I've never met anybody really famous, but I asked our staff the other day. We have this staff uh, communication channel that we all talk to each other on, and uh, I said, hey, who's, who's met some, anybody famous? And these were the, I didn't have anybody to contribute, but these are the answers that I got from them. A United States president, it's pretty famous. I mean, that, that works for me. Uh, an actor, a movie actor, I'm sorry, a television actor, a, um, a, a fairly famous Christian author, I won't mention him, but you would recognize his name immediately, and a professional wrestler. Those were the four, those were the four famous people that our staff had met. And I could feel in the first service, and I kind of sense it here too, you don't really care about which president or actor. You are curious about which, which wrestler, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, let's just be honest. That's, that's really where it's at, yeah. Yeah, David said he met uh, Jesse the Body Ventura one time, so, who actually also became a politician, the governor of Minnesota, I think. Yeah. So I've never met anybody famous like that, not, not like Jesse. But um, my understanding of that experience is, is that when you meet somebody that's kind of elevated in that way, you, you get kind of like starstruck, you know, it's a little surreal. A lot of like, can't stop smiling. <laughs> nice to meet you. I'm a big fan. You know, it's just kind of a glued on look on your face and there's an energy and excitement and a giddiness and kind of a joy, right? And there's nothing, nothing necessarily wrong with that. But I just want to ask this question. Why do we do that? Like when you think about it, these people, despite the fact that they hold high positions and they're well-known, these people are in the exact same position that we are. They are fallen. They are, they are they're faulty. They, they are frail. They've got, they're temporary. They have the exact same need for a Savior that we have. I mean, yeah, they are under the same. It says in, Gen, uh, in John chapter 3 that we are under the wrath of God without the sacrifice of Jesus. They're under the same wrath that we are. We have nothing really to be impressed with with one another. But that was different. That's different than what happened to the shepherds. Think about what happened to the shepherds. Because I feel, I feel like they had a famous moment, you know, meeting a famous person experience like we talked about, except theirs was with God Almighty. So the angel shows up in, in Luke chapter 2, talking about joy. The angel says, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of a great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And the shepherds said to one another in verse 15, hey, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see him. And so however long and distance, it was, probably wasn't very far, but that same evening, they end up showing up at that place where Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and they're staring at him in that feed trough, and they, ha they had to have had that similar kind of experience. Like, oh my goodness. They had an angelic appearance. This, did, by the way, this did not happen. We have hundreds of years of, of spiritual silence between the Old and New Testament, and we have an angel appearing to Joseph, an angel appearing to, um, to Mary. We have these amazing, this amazing thing happened. Zachariah, it's an, an angel appear, and all of a sudden he's showing up to these like just blue collar guys out in the field, and they're told that the Son of God, they understood as Jews, they understood who they were looking at, that the Messiah had come and they could go see him. And so when they look into that manger, it had to be the, oh my goodness, we're looking, we're looking upon the face of God in flesh. We're looking at this infant. Like, I don't know what they knew, but I, I, I suspect they knew enough to realize this is the Messiah. This is the king of all kings. If nothing else, they understood this is the great joy that will be for all people. And we've been invited into his presence to stand here gawking, you know, 
And they didn't even bring any gifts like the wise men. They're just standing there. Wow. Text says they leave and they're excited and they celebrate and they, they marvel. I, I imagine that for the rest of their lives, if they were connected to one another, they would say, do you remember that night? Do you remember when we looked on the face of God? Do you remember the joy that we felt? It's a bit different than us meeting somebody famous, isn't it? We, they, they didn't meet someone that was under the wrath of God, under the curse. They met the one who was the solution for the curse, the one that would fulfill the wrath of God. I, I think that the Lord wants us to experience joy like the shepherds. I'm convinced of it. I'm convinced that, that the Lord wants his people here but everywhere to be the most happy, most joyful, most glad, most celebratory, most up for a party people in the world. And, and we have every reason to be so, and yet so very often we're not that way. Can I, can I offer a, a rebuke that I will rebuke me when I'm rebuking us? Can we do that? You know what? The news is never going to be good, Okay. When it is, praise the Lord, right? <laughs> but if you go look at the news, the negative news sells, the positive news doesn't. I know it's bad. I know it's awful. I know it's discouraging. But rehearsing how bad and discouraging and awful it is verbally is not doing anything to help people see what we have. I recognize and admit with you that the, the tracks are out and the train is rolling and Jesus is coming. We, we know that's happening. But until he comes, couldn't we endeavor by yielding to his spirit couldn't we endeavor to be a people who are smiling and who are grateful and who are joyful and who are saying you know what come what may the lord has sent his spirit into my heart and i get to call out to the father daddy god that's awesome that's what we are called to would you stand up with me we're gonna say a couple more things christian come on up I believe the Lord wants his people, I know that the Lord wants his people to be a people of joy. And of course, I don't, let me just reiterate, I don't mean that we pretend that, that things aren't hard or when tragedy strikes, we're not supposed to be fake and act like it doesn't matter. I think that's so distasteful. I don't think that honors the Lord at all to pretend something's not reality. But, um, but he wants us to be happy. Let me, let me just ask you a question. And I admit to you on the front, and this has happened to me, so don't feel bad if it's happened to you at church. But have you ever been in a church service or a serious setting and something just strikes you as funny? And no matter what you do, it's like the more you try to be like, okay, I got to get it together. And you do the breathing thing and you just spend it. And you won't look at that person because this often involves another person. You can't look at that person because as soon as you see their face... Uh, raise your hand if you've ever experienced that. Oh, I'm so glad you guys are so mature, just like me. I actually was at a conference one time. I was a new, new staff member at a church, and I was with our senior pastor and, a, and other important people, and um, it happened to me, and I felt so badly, but I couldn't stop. I had to leave the room. I just was going to die if I didn't laugh. I have a, a proposal for you. I think that's from the Lord. Don't think for one second that that kind of giddiness, hilarity, mirth, whatever you want to call it, just the craziness of those moments in a good way. Don't think for a second, oh, that's just something down here. Because when we get up there, it's going to be really serious. 
It'll be this kind of joy instead of the laugh out loud, fall on the ground, hilarity joy. I don't believe that. I don't think we can wrap our minds around how much fun heaven is going to be, how glorious it's going to be, how much we're going to laugh. We're going to all be up there together, right? I'll save you a seat, right? And I'm going to look at you and you look at me and we're going to be like, oh man, remember when you talked about this? And then we're going to, it's going to happen right there. We're going to laugh and laugh and laugh and there's going to be so much joy. And my heart is just that that would come through our lives now. The people around us, they need hope, they need peace, but they desperately need people who are happy and not a fake happy, a happy that comes from the joy of the Lord, a happy that comes from saying, the spirit of Christ lives in me and I get to call my father, daddy God. So I want us to pray together. I wanna pray for us as a church family. I wanna pray for the body of Christ at large that we would be a people just filled with joy, especially this time of year, especially this time of year. And the other thing I wanna say is this, that whether we're talking about hope or peace or joy or love, which is next week, all of these are accessed through faith. So whether we've been, if we've been following the Lord for a long time, we still access all of these wonderful gifts through faith. But if you are here and you've never accepted the gift of God, the salvation of Jesus, you've never yielded your life to the Lord, I want you to know all of these things that we're talking about are awaiting you by faith. You trust the Lord. You trust him to be your savior. You surrender your life to him as Lord. You invite him in and you gain access to hope and peace and joy and love and forgiveness and grace and all the rest of it, okay? So this morning when we pray, I'm gonna pray also. If you want to, for the very first time, accept the goodness of God and salvation, I want you to pray along with me and there will be one of our elders up front here that will chat with you afterward. If you would please just come forward afterward, we'd love to give you a Bible and just encourage you, pray with you and know that you are there's someone here standing with you as you start your journey with Jesus, amen? So close your eyes, let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus. May the joy of the Lord fill this place, fill our hearts. Lord, we, when we stop and think about it, we have every reason to be joyful, everyone. And Lord, that joy is, is bigger than circumstances, obviously. It's bigger than day-to-day -day struggles and trials. It's bigger than tragedy and loss and grieving and all of that, Lord, because it's constant. Your presence abides within us by the Spirit. You have resurrected us from spiritual death to spiritual life. We get to call you daddy and come boldly into your presence, Lord. There is so much for us to be joyful about. My prayer for us, Lord, is that we would exhibit and demonstrate and model that joy for the people in our families, the people in our, in our community, the people in this church, our brothers and sisters, Lord, the people of this world. May the body of Christ around the world, wherever they are, be the most happy, joy-filled, celebratory people. May, may, may others look at us and say, I want some of what you have because of the way that we live our lives. And Father, this morning, if there's anyone here at Grace who's a visitor, maybe they've been here many times, but they've never asked you to save them, to be their Lord, to be their Savior, I ask right now, Lord, that they would make that confession. They'd say, Lord, forgive me of my sins and, and be my Lord. Be, be the one that I call upon who brings me into a new life, who resurrects my life so that I'm alive. Lord, as they, as they pray that, saying yes to you even right now, Lord, give them a courage and the boldness to follow you and to even follow through by coming forward so that we can pray with them, we can stand with them, and we can be the church family for them. 
And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You're going to get a joy journal on the way out the door. It sounds goofy to say it, but that's what we call it. You get a joy journal, hopefully to slow you down during the course of the week so you can just spend some time reflecting on God's goodness and joy in this season. Would you extend your hands in front of you? I want to bless you. Grace Church, in this season, may your hearts be filled with hope. May your hearts be filled with peace. May your hearts be filled with joy. And may your hearts be filled with God's love. And may you be like the ransomed of the Lord who come to Zion with singing. May everlasting joy be on your head. And may you obtain gladness and joy. And may sorrow and sighing flee away. May the joy of the Lord be yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope that this message made a difference in your life. If you would like more information about Grace Church, visit us on the web at grace417.com or connect with us by filling out a connection card on our app.